Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Husky Fan Podcast. Doing it a little bit earlier in the week because <laughs> there obviously have been some off-the-field developments. Uh, Jimmy, my bro, uh, you know what's interesting, brother, is last week we called bottom. Jimmy Lake had bottomed out. Uh, I guess we were wrong about that, or I was yeah. wrong about that. Yeah, he keeps one-upping the bottoming out as head coach and uh the nightmare continues to put it lightly uh well the nightmare continues as far as uh, uh jimmy lake's coaching career or <laughs> what what the, exactly the coaching career the program in general the disarray the rudderless direction of this program is now that we have Bob Gregory as head coach for a week. Who would ever thunk? Huh? Well, I tweeted yesterday that just as a joke, I mean, if Jimmy was going to be fired yesterday, it'd be funny if Donovan was the interim head coach. Yeah. Obviously it was that would never happen, but it's still it was funny to consider. Yeah, I mean the thought of that you know, you don't even want to really want to let your mind go to even considering that to be a reality, but we know now for sure that uh, that will not ever be a reality of any sort. Yeah, I'm cu- I'm curious about the Donovan firing and how um how I'm curious how that went down exactly because I read on uh, Dogman one or two people said the decision to suspend Lake was made Sunday morning like that was automatic mm. and I, I'm just wondering how that worked out because it's cl- it's clear to me at least that the school and Jimmy will part ways by by the end of this year and. I'm just wondering how the if Jimmy said, "Well, okay, but we got to I got to fire Donovan first. You know? <laughs> I'm just wondering how that went down exactly. Well, I believe it was Capel reporting that this this Donovan firing had been in the works. Um, that you know, the, softy, this, softy as well. Okay, yeah, softy had mentioned it, and I mean, I know we're going to talk about the game itself. Uh, later in the pod, yes, I do feel like there were, and we'll get there. But I, to, to be continued, I do feel like there were some things that could have happened to have taken some heat off of uh, Johnny Don Johnny Don's back. But uh, to no avail, those things didn't show up. But like I said, we'll get there later. Yeah, it was in the works in that Jimmy Lake had this card in his back pocket. And he was going to play this card when he needed to save himself. <laughs> well, this is good timing. Um, you know, I, I did spend much more time listening to local media on the topic than I have in quite some time in regards to you know, getting perspectives. I, I listened to Hugh Millen this morning. I somehow made it through Chuck and Buck and him. Boy, Chuck and Buck, ouch. Yikes, that, that is one rough show. Look, another pro radio guys, I'm on a you know, I'm on a pod. 
<laughs> they do for a living, but that's tough. That's tough sledding on that show. Either anyway, uh, I listen to Softy and Dick. The show is called Softy and Dick. <laughs> Just horrible. So, but I listened to them pontificate. I heard uh, Mario Bailey talk. I listened to Greg Lewis. I listened to the post game show after the game, of course. As you're aware. Did you listen to your call repeatedly, just over and over again? Yeah, over and over. I just, just listened to I, I, I want to go back. I'm sorry. I just have to go back to the softy and dick thing. Uh, yeah. I don't know. How how long have they been on together? Like three or four years? I, I think you're going somewhere in that frame, yeah. Yeah, because I, I just remember, you know, I've listened to it one or two times when, like, uh, Mrs. Chess and I have been driving to. I remember, like, an away game, and she's like, Wait, that's the name of the show? Like Softy and Dick? Is that yeah, a joke? And they they interviewed Shaquille O'Neal recently because he has a new chicken uh, restaurant at uh, Climate Pledge. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, uh, shout out to the Eagles because I went to the Eagles concert on uh, Friday. And, wow, I mean, the, the state of the art, like it was so hard to find the seats. Like it took us like 20 or 30 minutes because the arena is just so – massive with so many things inside of it um wow. but uh circle yeah so Shaq owns a, a chicken restaurant uh, that's okay. what, he, he was in town promoting it and he had a Kraken sweater on and soft you know softy and dick interviewed him and at the beginning of the interview he said wait this is the softy dick show <laughs> he's like am i being pranked here <laughs> are you kidding me oh i gotta hear that i'm gonna find that that's amazing yeah uh, and there was also video of Shaq on a scooter in downtown Seattle. Just what do you call it? Or motoring around? It was pretty man. funny just to see a larger than life black man just in a hockey sweater. The, you know, the, he's, <laughs> he's allegedly a Freemason. Not to get off topic. Okay, what's a what's a Freemason exactly? I know it's kind of is that even like more than a you know? Because I I have some libertarian leanings myself, but isn't Freemasonry kind of along the same lines? It's another podcast, but you know, they apparently run everything, you know, the Illuminati, the Bilderbergs are the people wearing goat heads as Bill Burr likes to say. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, we, we could go down that road. Wait, you mean Shaq is one of them or he just believes in it? No, no, he's a, he is one. He's like high level. That's why he's like so successful business-wise. And he he attaches his name to anything. Like he's pumping penny stocks. You know, he <laughs> even does things like that. I mean, he monetizes hey, everything. I, he owns, I think he owns a bunch of five. Is it five guys? He owns, no, it's not five guys. It's another chain. He owns a ton. Maybe it is five guys. Either way, look at it. But basically, this is this is softy. This is why you have to change the name of your show because it made us go on a a tangent, but a worthwhile one. At uh, it's, that. it's a yeah. It's a terrible. I mean, there was you know Graz with gas. That's really bad. <laughs> that was a horrible name. Jeez, unreal. Well, that's what you get with the KJR. But either way, the the point being is I. I I have put some effort and some personal time into this topic to get a lot of perspectives. And I think, I don't know if you heard Hugh's breakdowns, but he covered a lot of ground. Uh, he talked about the quarterback position. Uh, I, either way, there's a lot to unpack, but 
Hugh had some interesting comments, and I'll, you know, you can, I, I do love his passion. He, he can get fired up. I do appreciate that. But was he talking mostly about uh, Heward and the quarterback situation, or was he talking about the uh, Jimmy Lake situation? He talked, he talked about both. I mean, he, he, so they did segment a nice segment, you know, obviously addressing the incident on the sideline. Uh, during the game, and then they, you know, talked about uh, Donovan, and that kind of bled over into, you know, Morris, and then, you know, the people clamoring for Heward to to have a have, get a shot. So he broke broke down a lot of things toward, you know, all of those topics. Yeah. Um, but okay, all those perspectives are great. But I'd love to hear your perspective on everything because you are. This is where I'm fluffing you up again. You're fluffer. You're not. You're not part of the lunatic fringe anymore. I don't think. And you've had. You've been pretty accurate on a lot of matters over the years. So and look, I'm I'm part of the lunatic fringe most of the time. I would say. Um, but. Well, uh, yeah, so I'm fluffing you up for so time for you to give one of your incredible takes or perspectives on it, this whole situation. This is new territory. Uh, you know, I, going. We'll just start with the incident, right? Because that's really what's triggered or sped up the idea that he actually could lose his job. Did you think? Sorry to cut in. Did you think during when you saw that during the game that there there was a chance that it would be significant? So yeah, and that that's where that's where I was heading. So, uh, you know, when I when I saw the incident, I had this twinge like, ooh, ooh, that's that might not look good. Um, it's not like I thought he was. I mean, I mean, first off, he he was so incensed and enraged with the officiating um, that he was already in a you know a triggered state. And then, you know, obviously he was trying, I think there was a couple things going on. He didn't want another altercation, you know, something to turn into another penalty. Cause there were, there were two 15 yard penalties up to that point. Yes, that's correct. Yep, exactly. And so I think truly he wanted to diffuse another scenario that would result in a penalty. And he was already elevated and, you know, there's always been coaches, you know, blowing up with their players, right? I mean, either way. So when he kind of did that swipe, you know, with the card in his hand and then shoved him, I just thought like, ooh, you know, that's not going to be a good look. And then, you know, I just thinking to myself, watching on the side, like, is he thinking about that incident the whole time? Because, he, you know, he, he definitely leveled off afterward but that incident stuck with me that it could be a problem i wasn't like flipping out about it like i mean i feel like if the huskies had won the game it would have probably been mentioned but obviously it wouldn't have been taken all the attention away from the game had they won right. with already his situation in hand i mean i i think where most people saw it though like afterward and you know, reading was, it was like, this is where you kind of like drive the shank into the spleen with the guy, right? Like yes. this, is, 
that wound that's opening with the program, like you're taking a shiv and shoving it and twisting it into that, into that wound that where we are as a program. And I feel like at least locally it blew up because everything's under the microscope with Jimmy right now. And so it's an opportunity to really drive that shiv deep. And, you know, this could be what, gets him ousted and then maybe there are ways of getting out of the buyout with this as well. But and yeah. Yeah, it's not only locally. I mean national people were tweeting about it. even lat yesterday Reuters picked yeah. it up. I mean no, Reuters. No, no. We're not just talking about like ESPN or wherever. Yeah, and and, and look it and it had been brought up brought up many times and I you know Softy did mention it, but obviously the climate of our society there, there's no tolerance for anything, you know, in regards to verbal comments, obviously physical altercations. Uh, you know, football is a brutal, emotional game. Uh, they go out in the field and they bang heads as hard as they can for 60 minutes. And, you know, Jimmy's role as the head coach preaches, you know, discipline and, you know, being poised and whatnot, you know, it's a bad look. I mean, either way you slice it, you're just not going to get away with it in our current society and how it's set up, and especially how the news works in respects to clickbait, listens, driving up the drama, so to speak. All of the elements of that situation allowed for something that could obviously turn into what it's turned into. Yeah, but I mean that—that's going to work to our favor. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt, and I think that's where, again, that's where people were able to highlight this, like emailing Cohen and, and the president, and you know they have to respond in the woke culture, and especially being in Seattle, like they they will have to do something, or they're going to be complicit and say they support that behavior. Even though I think you have an argument on both sides where it wasn't that big of a deal. And then you could say, well, it was a big deal. I mean, he shoved the player and you, you don't do that. You know, I, there are arguments on both sides. Um, but, you know, the university would have to act because if they didn't, you know, there, there would be more heat coming down on the university as a whole. So they had to do something. Yeah, I mean, I think the reason why it is a big deal, multiple reasons. But first, he Jimmy had to run and you know find this player. He wasn't right next to him when it happened. He had to run, nudge a ref out of the way, find this player, you know, hit him in the helmet, and then when the player turned his back, he hit him a second time. You pushed him in the back. So there were multiple actions there. It wasn't just like a quick thing. It was totally intentional and deliberate, even though, I mean, we'll get to the the UW statement that said it wasn't deliberate and intentional. I mean, it definitely was. And uh, when that happens, it's just a sign that you don't have command of the team. I mean, you don't have respect to the players when – you have to do something like that. So it wasn't just like a quick, instantaneous thing. And I, I get it. it you go I ahead. Think, though, he was trying to ensure 
avoiding another penalty. Well, and then he 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 lied about it no, in no, the press conference. Gonna, I was going to get into. That. Well, I mean, was he trying? I mean, I don't know. I don't think so because the player was already off the field. I mean, I guess we'd he have was to. Backing up. Yeah, I mean, the player was backing up. This the, he didn't need to defuse the situation. It was already over. Yeah, that's true. And and that's somebody true. said that the player claimed that the Oregon player spit in his face. So quite possible. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that certainly. Could yeah, happen. it's always the second guy who acts. Who? Yeah, for sure. That's what everybody sees. But yeah, I mean, I you know I don't care about the players fighting, but Jimmy doing that it's just a horrible look and it's just like you said i just think it's sticking the fork in or whatever you know whatever you want to say about Driving that the shank. and i just the i shank. i think yeah i i know that they only suspended him for one game but i just think that there's absolutely no way that he's going to be the coach next year there i just i can't see it in any scenario it's so far gone you know the big swinging dicks have to be pissed off you know that the president uh you know cohen's useless but they all have to be you know the season's been bad you know lose to montana stupid you know the calm and then this it's like it's clearly over for him and i think you know that statement that it wasn't intentional and deliberate i mean it totally was when you look at it so i think they're helping jimmy save face like there's going to be some and that's what every you know that's what people are saying. If you read, you know, people claim people, they're not claiming to be insiders, but if you see posters in various places and tweets, that's what people are saying. It's just a, you know they're negotiating, and that to me, given the fact that that it's a false statement in favor of Jimmy, I just think they're helping him save face to where he's going to resign eventually, or you know he'll get fired, and they're going to have to negotiate the buyout and I think you know at this point maybe it looks like he's still going to get a a high percentage of that buyout like based on that statement you know I'm not a lawyer but I think firing for cause you know maybe that's hard for UW to prove and uh, so you know maybe that's the downside is the fact that they you know weren't able to fire him immediately and that he's still going to get a hefty buyout. Well, in respect to him lying after the game or denying it, I think there's a couple things there. Did he did he understand the severity? Right? Did did anyone let him know beforehand? He met with the press that this was going to come up, and you know he probably doesn't have a good recollection he probably didn't look at the interaction before going out there and of course i think if you're going to be put on the spot you are not going to admit that you someone said you hit a player he is not going to say instinctually yeah yeah i did i think he could have said you know there there was an incident on the sideline that i regret that it was a heat of the moment I was trying to defuse a situation to avoid penalty, and may, I may have ca- crossed the line. Uh, you know, just instead of just flat out denying it. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, this comes back to coach speak and not really like standing firmly on an answer, right? It's kind of like political dancing, or, you know, New Heights was really good at that. 
know, Pete Peterson was really good at that stuff, right? Not 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 really giving anything to the media that's worthwhile. And Jimmy did a hell of a job of providing worthwhile clips of the media, not only as head coach, but also as defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, your insight in respects, and this is not lost on anyone, but the fodder and ammunition that you have now provided other teams in the conference recruiting against Washington. Uh, it is damning ammunition that is available to all coaches right now. Not, not only in this incident, but in regards to the direction of the program, uh, you know, the offense itself, what you you just what are you going to do? Just sell on education and the academically prowess of Washington? <laughs> yeah, you know? I mean, there's there's not uh, there's nothing to sell. I mean, it's it's exactly it's, it's right. done. I mean, it's it's finished. And I you know, there's I still see there's a few people with tweets out there saying, "Oh, we got got to you know, I don't think it's time for Jimmy to go yet. Hire an offensive coordinator." I mean, I'm sorry, but just please, you're not gonna you're you're never gonna see it if you haven't already seen it. To this point, look here. Here's what I here's what I would predict. If he if he does somehow survive this instant this incident and gets another year, I think he'll probably keep Junior Adams as the OC. I mean, I, imagine trying to go out and getting get a, an OC right now. And you know, to Adam's defense, he, he has OC experience. I guess he was at Western Kentucky, and actually their offense scored a shit ton of points uh, as the offense coordinator. I'm not, I'm not lobbying Adams to be the guy, but I'm just saying that. You're just saying in that scenario, which in I'm, that scenario, I'm, confident it's, I'm, I'm just confident it's not going to happen because it's so bizarre. It's just it's so ridiculous at this point. I, so, but but Chess, here, here's another argument that that you have to consider. Now, granted, this latest incident is not obviously on Hopkins' resume, but look at the long leash that he's gotten. Yeah, he had what one good season, and it's been an absolute dumpster fire of a program. But it's uh, but it's it's not the money maker that. No, uh, that's right. I mean, it doesn't have the same revenue, but I'm telling you, the media and the people that want division and they want to cause, uh, you know, anger and issues right. around race. They'll bring that up. I'm just telling you, you know, is Hopkins getting a pass because he's white? I'm just saying that, that is part of of the narrative that could be brought up. I mean, a lot of stuff came around Tyrone Willingham when it was clear as day that he did not deserve another year. It was how, how obvious was it that Tyrone did not deserve? It was less, it was, it was, it was very obvious and it was less obvious than what we're going through right now. (laughs) But I'm just saying like there are, there are, perspectives and angles on this matter that you know that will have to be taken into consideration on this decision i can tell you right now mario bailey for one does not want to see him fired he and his point is like okay you bring in the next coach next year 
they lose by 40 to Oregon. Do you want him fired? Like, where does the cycle end? What, what will it take for you not to want to have the next guy fired? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that could be picked up upon in regards to whether the guy should, you know, stay in the position. I think you could find out pretty early on in most scenarios, like someone will bring up the Frank Beamer comparison, right? But like Scott Frost, this got extended in Nebraska. That that's never going to pan out in Nebraska. Well, Scott, Frost. Scott Frost, they're a they're a. Let me stop you. They are. I don't want to say they're like UW in 2015, but they've had some really bad luck, and they've lost a like a lot of close games against good teams. So like they're a good. I mean that's a case where they the team has actually gotten better. It just hasn't shown up in wins yet because well, they've lost so is, many close games. But yeah, I I know that it's seven. I know that yeah, I know that it's a slow. He's been a disappointment, but they have they've clearly improved materially over the last year. He's fifteen and twenty seven as a head coach at Nebraska. Now it's different era. But still, the expectations are insanely high there. I know, but they're at least. I'm just saying, there. I don't know if this is his third year or, but they are. I, I think if you look at the metrics, they have taken a big jump this year, even though it's an extremely frustrating season. So well, I, I'm just saying, it's a different, it's a different situation. And, and, and you Jimmy, could argue Jimmy Lake seven and six. He's seven and six. Is that? Uh, yeah, but he's been atrocious on every front. I mean, recruiting has fallen apart. His high his hiring is hiring Donovan had been a total fucking disaster. You know, him with the media. I mean, just his statements that have no value or meaning in them. You know, th- pushing a, you know, contact striking a player twice, pushing the guy in his back. I mean, that's he doesn't have the respect of the play. It's just there's just no logical. I, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, you're doing a very good job. You're making good points, but there's just, it's, it's clear as day that he needs to go. Of course. And I mean, and and people can say, Oh, he needs to, it's, you, you know, you can blame the AD for not helping him or whatever, but who knows what went down with the offensive coordinator hire. But I mean, for that's, to think that was a good idea to begin with, uh, and he, he's just and he can't sell anything. You know, re- recruiting has been terrible. He, he's a terrible salesman. He's not an aggressive recruiter. I mean, there's just there's no, what, name one good thing that he's done aside from bringing back the helmet car. Well, I, I mean, you could you could argue that the defense. You know, I th- are they still number one in the Pac-12 in scoring defense? I believe so. Yeah, but if you look at the, you know, you'd have to look at the metrics because we're slowing down these games. I'm just telling you. I know, I know. But the thing with the defense is, you know, we might be – yeah, I mean, it's done well on that front, but, you know, if we were – defense is terrible. Yeah, if we were scoring more points, we would probably be giving up more points. Yeah, yeah, that you know. Well, like if Oregon needed to score thirty-five to win or thirty-eight, they they could have done so. Most likely, probably. they would have played even well, faster. Yeah. They would have been more aggressive. But when you're in, it's it, it just the way these games go. 
Um, I'm just saying when someone would use that stat. All right. I'm saying is someone would say, well, the defense is, you know, number one scoring defense. And I think they're in, I think they were going into the Oregon game. They were 10th nationally. In what points or yeah, in points. Yeah. But, but so if, I'm, if, look, I'm not defending it. I'm, I'm just telling you there. No, I mean, that's, it's totally fair. It's totally fair. You know, softy asked Mario Bailey, what's, What's his way out of this? How does he get, you know, what is the path for UW out of this? And he's answered faith. And I don't think that faith is going to cut it in navigating this program out of the cellar. Look, I love Mario Bailey, but I think on Twitter after the Montana game or the next game, he was intimating that there was some racism behind fans wanting Lake fired. And I'm, which I said a couple weeks ago when Tequila was on, I mean, I, I feel terrible that, you know, we have another black coach who's just an abject failure, you know, because it's just something you and I are never going to understand. And it's it's really, it's really hard on our, our African-American fans. And I, I, I'm just, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to yell at them or say they're stupid, or I'm just saying I can't. Uh, you know, they might be looking at things through a different lens and that's totally fine. I, I can't, I can't judge them. I know it's a, it's a sensitive situation. Well, I could tell you one thing after the Montana game, John Donovan should have been fired after that game. There, there's no, there's no excuse for him getting another week after that performance against Montana. Yeah, where we went what fifty-seven minutes without scoring? Yeah, <laughs> against fucking I mean, Montana. Good God. Yeah, I mean it's 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 mystifying to to say the least. And and the other issue that's really hard for Jimmy to overcome is that this is the point I made Saturday. Most head coaches, when someone's fired and they come in a new program, it's often like they are coming into a program that's. The cover's not full. It's a barren cover a lot of the time, right? It's it's a rebuild um, to to get the 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 program right. You know, Jimmy walked into a situation where he already been there seven years. They arguably at the time had the best offensive line coming into the season. You had three good receivers. An all-American tight end. 50% blue chip ratio. Yeah, 50% blue chip ratio. You had four running backs with experience. Uh, you had a defense with Thule in the middle, who's, what, played three years of football now? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the D-line is pretty good. The D-line's pretty good. And then you have secondary studs at corner. I mean, you have Gordon, you have McDuffie. Uh, and, you know, I the think safeties and linebackers have been inconsistent. Yeah. But the, the bottom line is that this, he was not walking into a situation where there was nothing to work with. And, and he had Dylan Morris who had some experience and appeared to be, you know, pretty good that he, you felt like he could build off the short season that he'd be all right. And then the fact that, you know, you brought in a transfer quarterback, O'Brien. And then, of course, you have 
you know, cured into the pro I'm, I'm just saying overall, you felt like there was plenty to work with and you have an average OC. We're, we're asking for average. We're not asking for elite. You had a decent OC. You know, you're, you're talking, you're potentially talking about a much different season right now. Yeah. Well, and even, you know, not that I place a lot of faith in the Dogman guys, but they pointed out, I listened to a few minutes of their pod, you know, getting other perspectives. And, they're, and they've been adamant about this for a while, that Jimmy made a big mistake. He, he crowned Dylan Morris as the starter, like at the beginning of fall camp. When they said that in spring, it was pretty close between him and O'Brien. And that Jimmy kind of crowned Dylan Morris really early in fall camp. And, you know, they just think from that point, you know, the performance of both quarterbacks wasn't that great. And yeah, I mean, who knows? That could be, you know, we don't have enough information, but I mean, that could be a huge boner on his part, not going to O'Brien at some point. Because well, I mean, you look, you look at his film, he, he, he's not, I mean, he, he wouldn't have been worse than Dylan Morris this season. That I can tell you. <laughs> it's hard to believe. Uh, you know, in regards to, and I just lost my thought, gosh darn it, where we're talking. Quarterback, Dylan Morris. Dog Offensive man. coordinator. Yeah, I lost it. Either way, um, yeah, obviously, if that if that were the case, crowning him that early on, that that certainly would. You, you know, you you're not you don't have the, you don't necessarily have a competition furthering if you've already crowned him as the guy. Is that what, you know? Is right. That kind yeah. Of, it de- it kind of diffused. To use that yeah, word. The competition. Yeah. Hmm. But getting back to the defense, the defense, all it, it also it gave up uh, fourth quarter leads against Montana and Oregon State. And um, what happened? Did UCLA score? Did they score in the third or the fourth quarter? I think they scored in the fourth quarter. I don't remember. Now, part of, you know, and also part of the, because they're tired because of, you know, our offense stinks and the defense is on. You could see it in this Oregon game. You know, they got worn down. And you could see it in the second half. They started to get worn down. They were on the field for 75 plays. I mean, Oregon ran 75 plays. We only ran 51. So So the other thing is, yes, you know, statistically, Jimmy can point to that, but you can poke a lot of holes in that. Like our rush defense is really bad statistically. <laughs> it's 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 been a huge problem, and I, I just mean, that's why you're going to get great secondary numbers too, right? Yeah, ex- no, exactly. You're exactly right. And I, Jimmy, can point to that and say, "Oh, well, it's just the offense. You know, the defense has been fine. You know, we're only giving up 18 points a game, and uh, you know, we're doing well and all these stats." But it, it, and I, you know, the punt. At the end of the game, I mean, what a horrific decision. I can't think of a worse decision that I've ever seen in a football game. Like, at that point, there's nothing to be gained. As far as winning the game, You there's no chance you're going to win the game. You know, you're relying on the other team to fumble the punt, basically, or, or something like that. No, you're no, not going to gain Jimmy's, field position. Jimmy's thought was they're going to have 50 seconds left in the game. What is he talking about? You know, and this is really quickly, one of Hughes' points was that 
if you looked at Oregon's drives, like at minimum, I think you said they had like eight plays per drive. Like based on the flow of the game and how it went, the odds of forcing Oregon into a three and out were incredibly low if that was your thought process. It's clear that Jimmy wanted, he was afraid of Oregon getting the ball back and then punching it in yeah, and losing by 15 points. Yep. Instead of eight points, that's what 100%. he was worried about. I mean, it's, it's totally obvious because then he can, he can, we can look at all these games. You say we've been in every game except for one game. That's another, <laughs> you know, you could put that. You could. That's another argument that we'd have to, we'd have to argue against that the those who want to keep Jimmy could make. I, I briefly looked away and I was like, "Wait, what the hell just happened?" Like I just like glanced away at the punt. And I was like, "Wait, a <laughs> did he snap the? I was, I, I was dumbfounded." For I'm, a I'm I was so like, I I just apologize to the players, but for them having to do that. But when the punt went out of the end zone, I just broke out in laughter. It was just <laughs> no, hilarious. It was, was hilarious to me. I just no, that was fitting. I mean, that's how the game. I couldn't think of a better way of that game ending, and. And I, you know, I said in the, you know, the conversation with Softy was that I, I didn't think Washington, we all knew they didn't have a shot to win. He's like, well, I, th- you know, to your point, and Softy followed up with saying that I, he felt Washington had an opportunity to win this game. The Oregon wasn't that good. And, you know, I, if you want to get into it, I mean, to me, it, it just wasn't a winnable game in any stretch that I saw. And, and then, for it to end that way, though, seriously, it was like, of course, of course, that just happened. That that makes total sense. And and the fact that the stadium was over half empty at halftime. Now I know the weather was not ideal, but it was still at what a ten nine ball game. But still, I I mean, you know, metric superiority guy went to the game and he left at halftime, which is pretty. Um, you know, he's he for the Cal Lightning game, I think he stayed for that game that had the huge delay. Yeah. Uh but that I mean you know, low forties degree degrees, raining like crazy, wind that was just blowing like crazy. I mean, it was a fucking miserable time out there, and I don't think you can Look, I mean, I know we have problems with the attendance and all that. I just think this that the elements were just. Uh, if you thought you could win the game, would you have left? If you felt confident that Washington would get had a legitimate shot to beat Oregon, I mean, it it, I, it depends. It depends on the person. I just think the fact that people left, it had that that was entirely the weather. And not the game. I mean, ten to nine at halftime. Of course they, you know, of course they left because of the weather. I just, I've been to so many shitty weather games at Washington. Seriously, that that year, I think they played Oregon State when like the the whole zone like got ripped down by the wind. <laughs> or no, it was an Arizona State win. Oh yeah, twenty fourteen ASU. Yeah, ASU and the backup quarterback Troy Williams. Uh, yeah, yeah, came in. It was a, that was an atrocious game. I, I, I was at that game. No, this one, I didn't go to this one, but this one, no. I mean, people were seriously worried for their health. This game. At the Oregon game? 
Yes, I think they were. Because of the weather? Yes, it was miserable. Chess, dude. There's been so many bad weather games. This, but you're not, you're not getting it. This, this was awful. I've, I mean, I've never, dude. I'm telling you, I've been to awful weather games. I, this, I'm, this I'm, was, the, this was the worst. Like, I, I this was the worst. Yeah, I, I, I was talking to Andrew about it. I, he's never ever left a game. Never. He stays till the end of every game, but he had to leave at halftime. He was worried. Where was he sitting? He was worried. He was, I don't know where he was sitting. He was really wor- worried. He was, he was. <laughs> what are you talking about? Worried about what? If he was going to get a cold or if he was going to die? Yeah, he was worried he was going to get seriously sick. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I, I, we'll, we'll just have to agree to disagree. I, it was, I mean, fine. it, I, Come on, the game was ten to nine. Of course, people. That. I mean, look, I. Of course, people left because of the weather. I get it. I get it. But also, too, they probably thought they were going to lose. There, there were some people in there like, "There's no way they're going to win this game. Let's go." This weather sucks. They're going to lose in the second half. Do you really want to stay and watch? Well, of course, <laughs> it's on TV. People could leave and totally. just watch it. Uh, I get totally. No, we'll I... talk about the game experience too. It sucks. <laughs> Yeah. If we're anyway. if you're doing a breakdown of this, it was ninety percent the weather, ten percent the likely outcome of the game. Okay. I, I'm I'm not gonna argue that that being the case. Right. I'm sorry I'm sorry we got off on a tangent. What uh Fine. so yeah, we're talking about the game and um Okay. I'll, I'll tell you right now right oh. out of, I'll tell you what cemented it. I mean we already knew Donovan was gonna go. But the the fact chest <laughs> that they 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 did not add a single wrinkle to that offense nothing you saw like why not script a series for o'brien or script a su- series for heward or get mcgrew in space or show some sort of motion or movement I mean, they rolled out the same shit that we've seen the entire time. Like, like to me, you've been so anemic, so pathetic on offense. Just the worst imaginable. You don't try to make Oregon think at all. And you keep ramming McGrew up the backs of the line. But it worked worked inside the five, though. Shout out to McGrew for those touchdown runs. Hey, hell yeah. I mean, should I? That's the only like, time it worked. Yeah, but I'm just. No, I, I agree with what you're saying. But I, I, yeah, I just. You didn't any, get, anything you didn't, they would. When your quarterback throws into triple coverage at the beginning of the yeah. game. Apparently, so, Odunze was wide open. Um, yeah, so, and he, he missed it. I mean, Dylan, what, Dylan Morris is just, he's having a horrible season. So and that was what Hugh broke down that 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 pass, um, where he was saying that you know one issue obviously with Donovan is they had no precision in the game. They had no their concepts were a complete disaster. That uh, if you're going to throw an 18 yard out to, well I think it was to McMillan right on that play, yeah, that you don't have a guy underneath on that route concept to to sway the defense at all 
like you either have to run that that route 25 yards out or you have to if you're going to throw it at 18 yards you got to have a guy underneath uh to to influence the defense and not have, not have three guys go, <laughs> go after McMillan. I mean he was saying that like there's plenty of blame on Morris but also the concepts and the precision of the offense was was just dumbfounding. I mean and that's what Mario Bailey commented. He's like he was saying the offense there was like no rhyme or reason for the offense they're running. Like none of it made any sense. Just disastrous. So you're already putting a quarterback struggling behind the eight ball because everything you're doing is total trash. Just complete garbage. <laughs> just like the shittiest offense you could imagine. They were running it. And they had like there was like none of it made any sense. Disastrous. And so like Morris was hamstrung because he had a, a you know, basically a dunce running the offense. Like I'm sure like John Don is a good guy and you know, he could go on to sell insurance and have a nice life. I mean, I'm sure he's a good guy and he's a father. So, you know, but like in the idea of him, he's a father. I mean, he's what he's a father. You'd say that like he, you know, he's able to impregnate his wife. Like it's a, okay. I, I, all right. I get it. Being a father is a great achievement. I get it. Like, he's taken a ton of shit, like, deservedly so. He's made a shit ton of money. You know, like you said, you do, like, a 20 or 30-minute Google search on this guy, and not a single person, no one would hire this guy based on his resume and his demotions and his pathetic offense at Penn State. And we did a long pod about, about that hire. And, you know, former, you know, Penn State uh, was a beat writer that talked about him at length about how pathetic he was. Um, I think there's one guy that kind of defended him that, you know, he didn't get a fair shot, whatever. But the fact that he, he was not good at that. No, I mean, and we, we interviewed, I think Rhett Lashley. I know he's, I think he went to Miami, so maybe he hasn't done that well. But we also, Kellen, you know, could you believe we were actually in consideration for Kellen Moore? And please stop with the Kellen Moore for Husky oh. head coach. He's go, he's going to be an NFL head coach. Okay, he's not going down to college. He's going to be in hot demand to be an he's NFL head coach. But that's like amazing that like we interviewed him and he was like he mulled over the decision for a little bit and. I mean, fuck, we could have had him and we ended up with John Donovan. I mean, Jesus Christ, it's like we just picked uh, like a random high school coach. Even that might even be a stretch. Seriously. I mean, what I, a... That might be a stretch. What a horrible, horrible idea. Like, who, I, I wonder what... Jen Cohen. I mean, obviously, in the we have people. They, Jen Cohen and the other people in the AD. They don't know anything about football. But I wonder what her reaction was. Somebody had to have told her, like, this is a horrible hire. You know, I think she's content making eight hundred seventy thousand dollars a year. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna overlook a lot of things, making almost a million dollars a year, and and it appears you don't have much of a threat at your position. Do you think Cassie's gonna make this? Gonna fire? I, I well, think she, I I kind of agree with Tequila. I think she's probably gonna retire at some point. 
Which, yeah, I mean, that's... She, she can't handle the pressure. No, it's a joke. It's just... Her legacy is going to be worse than Hedges. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you look at Hedges, like, yeah, she hired New Heisel, who won a uh, Rose Bowl. She hired Romar, who was very successful, you know, until the end. You got to think of where our basketball program was for a while before Romar. So she actually wasn't that horrible. Well, she wasn't she the AD, though, when all the shit went down with uh, Don James? Yeah, but uh, obviously... Dude, she did not side with Don James. Well, you know, she... She gir- will never in my eyes. Yeah, fair enough. But she, I'm, I'm just saying she actually hired two coaches who won a championship. That might be the case. I mean, Jet allowed the best coach in history to go and yeah. did not side with him. Did well, I mean, she would have lost her job. I mean, Gerberding was a total piece of shit. Well, of course, that guy was a fucking piece. He's a he was a huge piece of shit, <laughs> insecure piece of shit. Well, I, hopefully, some of his descendants are listening and they hear that. <laughs> well, I, look, I mean. I just, I can't stress it enough. And I, I just want the point to be heard. Ad nauseum. The the fact that they came out with not a single wrinkle of difference in their offense in this pivotal game on so many fronts. Like, if you're playing for your, if you're coaching for your job, are you seriously going to roll that shit out, I, you know, another week and think you're going to win the game? And I know, like, people argue, well, they were in the game at the very end. Yeah, okay, that's true. And we texted each other. They got a cheap touchdown early. You don't. You capitalize off the, you know, the Bruner interception. You get the score. And then you have all that field position throughout the yeah. game. I mean, that Uh-oh. that's where we lost. and. And, I mean, I guess, you know, we had the bad, uh, you know, we couldn't, the wind was not at our back when we could have kicked a field. You know, the fourth and one, I, that was the worst play of the game. Fourth and one? I mean, fuck, you can't even pick that up. I mean, you know that, or that could have been a time for a wrinkle, you know, maybe like a, a guy going to the end zone, perhaps. You know, you could try and go up 16-3. to three. I mean, that would have been the perfect time for a wrinkle. I mean, that would have... You know, if that happens, that ensures that we're in the game until the fourth quarter, like legitimately. This was a point I was going to bring up earlier that I forgot. Oh, sorry. No, no, this is, you know, that drive, that drive they scored on, I think they started at their 25, 75-yard drive or whatever. It's like they start playing offense when they need it, and they're so conservative for the majority of the game, but then when they got to try to get a score, it's going to start throwing the ball. Like we talked about this. There was so much commitment to running the ball, but you know, it goes back to the, the precision of the offense and the coaching. Like they were built to throw the ball too. Right. I mean, you had three competent receivers that have all shown that they can play the position, you know, with Otten, all American tight end, all American tight end. And, you know, you want to keep throwing McGrew up the gut. I mean, like, where's Giles Jackson? You you showed that reverse against Stanford for the two-point conversion. 
why not why not run something with Giles Jackson out there to yeah, give he, that look? Yeah, and you're right. And he, by the way, he's a bright spot right now. He's going to break one. I mean, he had really good return stats the last couple yeah. of years. He was an all Big Ten retur- uh, kickoff returner. And, you know, we got nothing from him at the beginning of the season. But you, you if you, you could tell, his, he, he had some really good returns this game. Oregon saw that play. Oregon saw that, that sweep play to Jackson. You're telling me you can't run a formation out of there and make them think that, you know, Jackson could. I, I'm just telling you, like, run something out of that formation. Make them think that, you know, they could have a Jackson sweep here. Yeah, his I mean, speed. He's shown that he's, you know, got a great speed and he's shifty. They, they got it. Well, they give it to him once in the Wildcat, so so they can put that on film. Totally. And here's remember we used to run like an occasional deep ball to Jordan Chan and he'd go up and catch it. I'm just saying, like, dude, throw someone out there different. Like, give a different look. I mean, get McGrew in space. Like, how does McGrew not be involved in the passing game at all? I just that, that just boggles my mind why you wouldn't want to get that guy out in space more. Seriously, you you don't have a package where you can get McGrew in space. Nothing. It just I, I'm going to be very curious as to what Junior Adams does with this offense. Can we just? Uh, I just want to give a shout out to the defense at the beginning of the game, the first quarter. I mean Carson Bruner. I, I was, I was pissed that he didn't house it because I was worried. You know he gets tackled at the seven; they'll hold us yeah. to a field goal. Right. But you know at least we punched it in, and then we we hold Oregon to a field goal after they drive. We then we pin that great punting by Race Porter. By the way, we pin them on the goal yeah. line, and we get a fucking safety. Yeah. No. I mean, that was no, amazing, the way the defense played. And, yeah, they just wore down because if you have a bad offense, that's what happens. We're, we're seeing that in every game. The defense is wearing down in the second half. And, I, I, and, I, just, I, I just don't – I can't for the life of me understand the heat you're getting, the poor output, the meaning of this game on many levels – uh, and, and especially to take the heat off your back, right? I mean, you have a prime where, you know, Oregon is not the number four team in their regards. Like they, they're not like a legit five top five team in my, in my view. Like, I don't think they're that good. I think they're probably a top 15 team. Yeah, they're I mean, not a top five team. This, like you have, this, huh? this is a season where there's not very much distance between the number four team and like the number 30 team. Right. So there's I, all these teams that are not, you know, you have a couple teams. You know, you couple a couple teams that are really good, and after that, a lot of teams that are not. Um, you know, there's not a huge difference. So I could see where there's an opportunity, like where a lot of people feel like this Washington had a shot to win this game. Right? No, it would. It could have. It could have totally. Jimmy Lake. I mean, his tenure. He could have said, if if he's able to win that game. Um. So it, it, the, our record would be what five and four. Yeah, yeah. You can look, and you can look at the schedule and say we could go seven and five. You know, we're going to go seven and five at least, and, and, and then he'll have turned it around. You're taking so much heat off of your back too. I mean, you are you are you are buying yourself some time, 
and you are going to quiet the naysayers somewhat. And the fact that you come out with that same trash, and if you if you look at their freaking field position for the majority of that game offensively, you yeah. fine with the, that's like almost it's like shocking to lose that game, especially how the defense was playing for a majority of the game. Well, the, I mean, the defense basically. What was the score? Um, when did we get the? Okay, so we were down twenty-four to nine. Is that right in the fourth quarter? I believe that's correct. Yeah, so we didn't score a touchdown until the game was pretty much. Yeah, oh, yeah. I guess we made it closer, but I mean, we were going to lose anyway. You know, we knew yeah, we were going to come back. Yards rushing. So we basically didn't. You know, we. We basically scored nine points on defense. We didn't have an offensive touchdown until, you know, early or the middle of the fourth quarter. Yes. So we, yeah, and I think maybe, well, I mean, you you said thirty four to seventeen, so you kind of nailed our offense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, your concerns about the offense last week were really dead on. If we look. I mean, the Montana game, 57 minutes without scoring. And look, even, yeah, we beat Arizona and Stanford. But, Jimmy, Arizona, we didn't fucking score a touchdown until the fourth quarter. Yeah. Same with Stanford, we didn't score a fucking touchdown until the 59th minute of the game. Oh, by the way, did you see how Stanford looked last week against Utah? A good physical team. Did you see the score of that game in the first half? Remind me. Uh, 38 to zero <laughs> at halftime and Utah, they had, there was some tweet in the first half, like Utah had some ungodly number of rushing yards that like, I forget what the tweet, it had something to do with like Utah's rushing yards or uh, against Stanford's yards. I mean, Utah had, I don't know, just the, the yardage difference in the first half was like so severe I think the tweet was pointing out like this has only happened a couple, you know, two or three times in the last like 30 years. Like it was, uh, you know, a fucking. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just look at the teams that we beat. And so, Listen, I mean, I just if we yeah, it makes sense. You know, if we we looked at those things. Oregon has a better defense than all those teams. You know, we, it, it makes sense that they were basically, you know, going to hold us, hold our offense for the majority of the game. But you know, I think credit to both of us because we said we need two easy scores to win this game. Or, or I think I said two easy scores to have like a legitimate, like a coin flip chance to win the game. And at the very beginning of the game, we get a cheap score like that put us in really good position. You know, if we had another one, if if our defense came up with another one, yeah, if it, 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 you know, we might have had a a real shot. But um, you know, that's how that's how bad our offense is. You know, because a half decent offense, you know, we would have been ahead by probably two or three scores. You know, and maybe Oregon, co- you know, comes back. Uh, but you know, if we get ahead by that much early in the game. You know, they're going to have to throw, and that plays into our advantage. Yeah, shout out to Insincere, insincere Doc. He, uh, he did some little uh, deep dive into some stats. In 2020, 
against Oregon State, no TDs in the second half. Arizona, TDs in both halves. Utah, no TDs in first half. Stanford, no TDs in first half. In 2021, it says Montana, no TDs in second half. Uh, and then Michigan, no TDs in first half. Arkansas State, TDs in both. Cal, no TDs in second half. They did score in overtime. Oregon State, TDs in both halves. UCLA, TDs in both halves. No TDs in the first half against Arizona. No TDs in the first half against Stanford. And so that was pretty part of the course with Oregon, right? They scored a TD in the first and the fourth quarter. Is that right? Right. Yeah. So the, the first, the, the the TD in the first was an anomaly. Uh, yeah, it's a defensive an one. So so you could say the. I mean, yeah, we ran it in, but that was basically a defensive touchdown. One hundred. I yeah. I mean, you could chalk it up to that. I agree. I just yeah. yeah I mean, I just feel bad for the offense is putting the defense in a bad spot. The rush defense would still be an issue, but um, oh, and, yeah. and look, and, and we brought this up too. How in the world? <laughs> it just boggles my mind. Seventy-five snaps through. to fifty-one. Yeah, I mean that's. <laughs> but the, how about Brunner not starting the year at linebacker? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess he had. Yeah, I mean, even if it, he had a full show, I mean, I do you think Bruner is better than Sermon? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, he is. I mean, I'm sure Bruner could have played his position because he was the backup. Bruner was the backup of the Fosio. Is that right? Um, not sure. I think he was the Mike backer. And it, it, anyway, it's amazing it took an injury for him to see the field. Yeah. Well, anyway, buddy, we got to get to some questions so we can we can hang this thing up. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay, the I wanted to bang these out quick, but the first one might take some time. Who was on your short list for next head coach? Would playing Sam for the last few games help keep some players and recruits? Um, interesting about Sam. I don't know if he's ready, but just listen to Hugh's rant on Chuck and Buck's segment with Hugh. Um, on today, uh, what's the date today? Uh, November eighth, Monday, November eighth. Chuck and Buck segment with Hugh. He goes into a long diatribe about Heward and and um, Morris. Think about he's you know he says think about Heward and Morris flipping high schools and the talent that they played with. That you know it could have been Morris listed as a five star with all those D one receivers and that really good running back who was offered as well like just surrounded with this insane talent um you know that the fifth star doesn't mean a lot you know he sam's not going to beat you with a giant arm like he's going to be more of like a kellen moore type player and you know there's a lot there to unpack with here we can do it on another pod but just go and listen to Hughes' diatribe about the topic. I don't agree with everything he said, but he makes some fair points. Yeah, I don't know if you were – because people have been saying you know, we should have already played it. I don't know if he's ready. I mean, I think you and I have been on the O'Brien bandwagon. Well, I mean, I'm I'm fine with – look, to me, rolling out Dylan Morris, I don't care who you played. I didn't want to see Morris play. Like, I didn't right. feel like they would win with Morris – I would prefer to see him lose with O'Brien or Heward. If yeah. Heward started that game, I wouldn't have any issue with it. I don't care about his red shirt. 
People talk about, oh, I want him here in four years. Well, if he's really that good, he ain't going to be here in four years. I don't care. I I would have started Hewer. I'm telling to give Oregon something to look at. Don't freaking give me this offense. I don't yeah. want. I'm not very interested to watch this team more as that quarterback. I'm really not. Yeah, I mean they really they should mix in Hewer. O'Brien or Hewer? I mean shit. I mean yeah. Hewer's the future. I think he should play. But if he's flat out not ready. To play the position, then you t- you're just gonna have to ride it out. Fin- let O'Brien finish out the year. I'm sorry, but Morris is can't be the quarterback anymore. Yeah, no, he's definitely. Dra- I mean, it's yeah. over. He's yeah. He's, yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's, not- he's dragging down. I mean, John Don is horrible. Jimmy's horrible, but Morris has dra- he's dragged down the offense. It's- you know, we we don't see a lot of the. Or talk about a lot of the time. Is times O'Brien of, apparently a mobile guy? Is not really. Gonna, you're telling me you can't script a series with O'Brien and run some run some running plays with him and McGrew? Morris really should be running more. You know, he yeah. he looked a lot more mobile last year. Yeah, I mean, all of it is just head scratching, and it just makes me sick to think that you <laughs> could not come up with any other concepts or looks on Saturday just fucking blows my mind. Yeah. So now turning to the coach list, um, I I'm think it's not there yet. You just it's haven't such, thought, thought this, about. No, I mean, this is this this hire next hire is just so crucial. It's big. It's, it's because big. it's, it's resetting. Well enough. It's, it's really resetting the program and our expectations. Cause if we get a relatively big name, people are going to feel a lot better uh, about where the program is going. And it just, it'll, you know, say something to the, I, I think, the brand and the rest of college football. But, but with that being said, you know, you never know because you could hire someone nobody gives a shit about. They could turn out to be great. So it doesn't necessarily have to be, just get the best guy that you can get. I think Hugh said, you know, uh, who hired Chip Kelly at Oregon? Who hired him to be the OC? Bilotti. Bilotti, right. What am I thinking? But he he plucked Chip Kelly out of New Hampshire. I mean, nobody knew who he was. Nobody. He was an absolute nobody. And look what he did to that off. I mean, he changed the sport for a few years and how you run an offense in college football. I, 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 like, there's probably a guy out there. I don't know the up-and-comers well enough. I don't know established coaches that would seriously consider the job. I mean, if they took their time, they want to get there. What's that group? They That coach search, what was that? That committee bullshit. <laughs> Um, I I just think you have to just they should just hire Andrew, just pay him money. I mean, he has the stats and numbers on a lot of these coaches. Yeah, that you know that's that's an element of the hiring, but I I don't have a list because I know you're one, not you're not following these. I mean, I think it it really depends on who we can get and who, how much are we going to pay? Uh, because you have to consider those things. I mean, I think. You and I would agree 
I mean, with the NIL thing, maybe Peterson is out, but I think it's still the first call that you have to make. I, he still would be number one on my list. I mean, number two would be maybe Bronco Mendenhall. No, I know you're big on him. I don't see it. Um, look, he's really into academics, and he did a really good job at BYU. He's done a good job at Virginia. I mean, I I have looked at his recruiting, and so there's kind of an issue there. But I, I you have you would have to interview these guys and, and see how they sell their vision. And if a guy like Bronco Mendenhall says, yeah, you know, we haven't, you know, Virginia, we haven't recruited that well, but I'll come here and I, you know, I want to recruit top 20 classes. I mean, you and I, all of us, we don't get to see the interviews and what gets sold and who has the best vision. But I, I, I think those are guys you, uh, you interview, um, even like Dennis was talking about, he loves Kyle Whittingham. But if, but Utah people think he's going to retire like Peterson did. Like they think one of the next like year or two, he's gonna, he's not that old. But like, hey, he's a guy who, um, no, I mean, no. I, I would take. I I have no interest in Kyle Whittingham in any capacity. None, zip, zero, nada. Okay, well then, who do you have interest in? I I just haven't given it a lot of energy. I mean, off the top of my head. Okay, well we'll say we'll save your save your opinion. We'll get your opinions on a future pod. Yeah, I don't I don't have a list. Um I I don't even know if if Mendenhall, I don't know if he would want to leave Virginia cuz he's kind of a unique guy, but uh okay, next question. Do you guys really think Morris is is the best QB on the roster after how Jimmy wouldn't play McGrew until he got media pressure? Could he just be playing favorites and sticking with the worst QB in the Pac-12? Yes. You know, I think and this is something I argue with Andrew about a little bit and and I I do agree with him that uh coaches they usually know who the best players are. But however, there's there's two things I want to uh, dispute on that front. Uh, number one, you know, Billy Joe Hobart, you know, he was, he was the backup basically. And, you know, you, you, sometimes you have to put guys out there on the field and see what happens. Like ZTF, he was a backup. And, you know, we know in 2019 that this staff had a problem with not playing the best guys. I mean, we saw it at linebacker with Ulafosio not playing until the eighth game. You know, Carson Bruner, that's another example. Him not playing soon enough. The the questioner pointed out with the running backs. And, yeah, we've talked about it. Uh, yeah, I, I think they – I mean, O'Brien did have an injury, I think, early in the season. But, you know, they probably should have went to him at some point. Yeah. I... <laughs> so, yes, I mean, I and think I can speak fault, for you. fault. I think I, making a quarterback change, I don't think anybody would have an issue with it. Well, yeah, do they, the question was, do we really think Morris is the best quarterback on the roster? And at this point, he might be the worst. Or a third out of the three guys. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to know. It's just, he, he's, had a, he's had a mental breakdown this year. I mean, he showed some, like I said, he kid showed moxie in this short season. I mean, he showed some ability, but hasn't translated he hasn't been as mobile they haven't rolled him out hardly at all 
the offensive line is underperformed. I mean, take some pressure off the kid. Give buy him some time on the freaking field. So okay, I I just want to go back to something. What's interesting is another thing for Jimmy. If we would have beat Oregon, he would have had a path to we'd be tied for first in the division. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. And that's- and, not, and he could have and he could have promoted it. Yeah, we're trying to win our second division title in a row. You know, or I'm trying to win my you know second division. Even though last year was kind of a fake. But that's, you know, something the media could have mentioned. In That's why a, I'm telling you, I don't I have just I can't I can't comprehend yeah. the offense they rolled out there. I can't I just I can't understand it. Okay, this is a good one for you. What are your expectations for this weekend? Kinda of wonder if the players come out trying to prove something or if it's just too much to overcome. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna play hard. I don't think there'll be a lack of effort for this game. Um, I, I, I really hope that – I think there will be a bump offensively because there was so much downward pressure on Donovan as the coordinator. Like, there just had to be – just had to be not yeah. a great environment. You get the dead coach bounce. Yeah, I think you get the dead coach bounce offensively. I think that Junior Adams probably has an idea of how to get his playmakers the ball. And I'm sure he has had some players in his ear about getting the ball. And I think he's going to try to get the ball to, you know, guys that can make plays early, early on in the game. And, you know, we might end up seeing a bit more throwing. And not to say that Morris is warranted uh, being asked to throw the ball more, but, you know, maybe, like, here's the thing, like, they threw sideways and they ran up the middle for virtually the whole game, or they did not go vertical. Yeah. You know, especially after that pick, like, they got real bad. So I think, you know, I think there's going to be a little bit less of, you know, anxiety and pressure because. I mean, they finally got the guy out of the room. It was just so blatantly obvious. Like, it just had to have – it had to have seeped into the offensive room. It had to. So, I think there's going to be some relief there for, for that, that side of the ball. How deep is the rot in the athletic department? Would just replacing Jen be enough? Uh, I mean, you know, Tequila could weigh in on this. We might – you know, he wants to come on for another pod. Uh, but I, you know, in, in talking to uh, Dennis DeYoung, um, yeah, I, I think if we get the right, if we get a person from the outside who can come in and change the culture, that can really help the athletic department. But I mean, if will they just replace Jen with like another interim, or who are, are they going to find somebody who's uh, kind of in the UW network? It'll be interesting eventually because she will be. She's not long for the job. I, I'll, I'll tell you. But, Within these athletic departments and into the the sports world and the media world, there is so much ego and how you perceived your image. A lot of it's fake. I think Jen Cohn is totally fake. I think 
she does not have she might tell you she's a hardcore passion husky fan i don't think she has any idea about the purple bloodlines that run through fans families generational families of their commitment to the program and their their fondness for husky football i think there's a lot of people in the department that they're doing their job and we all have to make money and earn a living but I can tell you, I don't think the passion exists. I don't think the history and the lore and the commitment that fans have had, they would be shocked if they were to be able to pull back the curtain. Like I don't think I don't think Jen Cohn in any any sense is a genuine person. And uh that's my opinion. I, I think people would be horrified to to see how people take their job and the level of uh, seriousness and their belief in Husky football, Husky athletics. There's some people in there that probably have it, but overarchingly, I mean, just look at that nil director hire. I mean, we've seen with the marketing hires. I mean, this is just a job. It's a lot of people. And I get it. I mean, a lot of jobs are just a job to people, but... You know, there's a lot of passion, a lot of history, and, uh, you know, a lot of people have spent tons of money and time in the program, and they don't want to see it wasted. And so I think the rot is bad, real bad, and you got to start cleaning house and getting some serious people that really want to turn this shit around. Fuck yeah. It takes a ton of work, ton of work. Fuck yeah, brother. Yeah, and I and I can I can tell you the job on the day just because you're just doing your job, it's not gonna be enough. And I can tell you the rot that goes back. I mean that goes back at least twenty years. Yo, I've I've seen it firsthand. And uh yeah, I mean Woodward did a good job, but like he didn't change the culture. He was obviously just a placeholder. You know, he was just yeah. pool boy. He he did a good job though, but he didn't you know, you have to change the entire culture. You got to come up with a, a, you know, the vision and the and the, you know, the the, the steps that you're going to take, and they have to be reviewed every day. In a have- a vision for decades, you know, not just like yeah. the next, like this is the next three years, like with Oregon. I mean, they clearly had a vision like 25 years ago. They weren't you thinking know, like, oh, we're just going to do this and we're going to try and, you know, be good. We'll do good the next couple of years or the next five years. I mean, they have built – they're good in every sport now with what they've built. Just this is not to take the conversation in any other direction, so get that clear when I say this. But you want to know the biggest difference between, like, America and China is that China looks at things in, like, 100 years, Right. They're not looking for quarterly results, right? So if you have a vision for how you want to dominate, you know, in that long-term perspective, like you said with Oregon, you know, their vision started 25 years ago. You know, you your fruits of your labor, if you go off kilter, you go into the dark decades. And we've talked about it ad nauseum, that this program, this Husky football program has been, for the most part, complete shit 
perfect, except for the Peterson era and New Heitzel's Rose Bowl season. You had the debacle of Lambright in 97, and then you obviously had the loss to Air Force. That, you know, cost him his job. But, Chess, we know what happens when you get off track. We're in it. And when you don't have leadership and a athletic department with an overarching vision. That's why these things happen. And 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 on top and then add, and you put in someone who has no resume to to even be considered to run this athletic department, be put into the put into the job. Shocking. Just shocking. And it's it's clear, it's obvious that a couple years from now Maybe only a year from now, both Jimmy and Jen will be gone. But we we know they're both not. We know Jimmy is gone. We know Jen is not long for the job. So there will be new blood coming into very important positions, and this is an opportunity to reset things. And that's why with the AD, hopefully, they get somebody from the outside and someone who has a real vision and someone who knows how to execute, who's going to get the you know recruit new donors, rebuild the booster bait, you know, those five things we talked about with Sub-K. I mean, the, there's tons of fucking money coming into this region. People like football. The Seahawks are finished. You know, Russell Wilson, their run is over. Russell Wilson is going to force his way out at the end of this year. They're done. They're going to be rebuilding for a while. Yeah, and, and you know, the other thing about Seattle, Chest, is that Paul Allen's sister, who owns the, owns the you know, doesn't give the a or- fuck doesn't give a flying fuck about Seattle Seahawks football. So that you know, that that whole that whole organization is going to go down the shitter soon. And you know, you do that does the University of Washington have the stones to, you know, commit to a winning vision. That that's that's all, all we have to ask. And that's what we're, you know, that's what's going to shape the next 20 years of the program. We, we could be, we, just, we could find ourselves in football hell. We could find ourselves in the 2000 stretch. It, it, it's, it is a reality that is very possible. Yeah, and it, re- it really is. Yeah, some people don't want to believe that, but it, it really is possible. Absolutely is possible. And, and you know, we've pointed out, too, people don't realize that Peterson was the AD. I mean, he was the athletic department beyond the head coach of the football program. And and Jen, you know, made it clear as day that that was the case uh, uh, in his press conference when he resigned. I mean, it was clear as day. It was there was no hiding that fact of any kind. Uh, so next, quite uh, that really good, good uh, thoughts there, brother. Uh, what's the best case and worst case for how this plays out? Well, I think the worst case would be somehow J- Jimmy gets to keep his job and he coaches next year. I mean that that would obviously be the the worst case. Um, another realistic worst case is like we make an uninspiring hire that would kind of <laughs> kill any buzz. 
And another worst case is like a lot of guys, you know, a lot yeah. of guys leave early for the draft. Uh, a lot of guys you tr- tr- go out in the transfer portal. There's a lot of worst case scenarios at play. Yeah, we need we need a stick save. At least they got that running back from Texas. He's already in the program. So you got Jadavion Sunday and that kid. Um, that at least gives you some. Maybe there's some excitement there. Not. I think that I think the best case is, you know, you make a you have a good hire and you're able to keep most of. Uh, you know, most of your guys and the hire has enough cachet that he's able to bring in a few more guys in the transfer portal. And so you're kind of putting a bit of a floor under the team slash program. Maybe Jimmy Lake, uh, you know, keeps his job and he hires Sarkeesian as his OC after he gets fired. <laughs> Oh. Kidding. That, that was a good name drop on the uh, on the call with Softy, by the way. <laughs> he liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, I, I, you've covered that question. Okay. Next question with Jimmy Dunn. What about Kyle Whittingham? Yeah, yeah I guess you're kind of you're kind of meh on him. Is he going to look if he came to Washington? Is he going to be here another 10, 12 years? He seems to like it at Utah. Yeah. But I mean, but even if you could get a guy like that for five years, I think you'd take it. Is that a splash hire? Does that get recruits excited? I mean, we've handled Utah for the most part. With him at the helm, I think it would. I mean, I, I, I think it would be a really good hire. I mean, with UW's resources and recruiting base, um, I mean, I'd I'd be fine with that hire. But you know, agree to disagree. Uh, next no, I, look, I mean, if he's the best option, I, I'd take him over Jimmy Lake. Uh, does he give you the vision that we just talked about? You take about? him over Jimmy Lake. I mean, who wouldn't you take over Jimmy Lake at this point? I know anybody, really. Except I wouldn't take John Donovan. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I would okay. not take Scott Frost. Yeah, next question. Mike Martin claims a big-time coach wants to come to UW. Is this BS? Yeah, probably. Who Who's the big-time coach? Who would yeah, that be? He's, he's not telling. What, what is it? Bob, is it Bob Stoops? I mean, I is it Chris? Know. Is it Chris Peterson? Is that what he's thinking? I don't. Rick Neuheitzel. <laughs> I love Rick Neuheitzel critiquing the Pac-12 as a whole. It's funny, it cracks me up. Well, he's he, he coached at like numerous schools. I sucked at UCLA. He did go to law school at USC, so he has ties. And I think his he I think he grew up in Arizona, so he has ties to like half the schools. Look, I like I like I'm a, I like Rick Neuheitel personally. I think Me too. I like the guy. Me too. I, I'm not going to tell you he's a great coach. He was great for one year, that's for sure. That's all, you know. That's all it can take. He's got he's got some history of Washington. I mean, he's got a hell of a season. That was a, that was not the most talented team. I mean, he raised that team 
way above their over. I mean, they had talent on the team, but overall, he had that team playing above their ability. Got to give him credit. Yeah. Great, anyway. great senior leadership in Tui. Yeah. I mean, he had Tui. Makes your job easier, that's for sure. Uh, a couple more thoughts. How, how, how about remember Marcus is one and zero at Washington. What about Marcus Tuiasso? But he he sure had. You can't fault that he didn't have that head coach feeling though. Watching him on the sideline, he had the demeanor. I'm not saying you're going to hire him as a head coach, but he he was one and zero as the head coach of Washington. Thoughts on Luke Fickle as head coach? Uh, my thoughts are, uh, if there's any chance that we could get him, we have to get him. He'd, yeah. he'd, be, he'd be the number one guy. He, this guy looks like he could be a, another Urban Meyer, minus the baggage. I think he's a Midwest guy. I mean, he has Ohio State roots. Um, Ed Orgeron. <laughs> I don't think that's a good cultural fit. <laughs> you don't think he'd be, he'd be chasing that? He'd be chasing... The co the co entire time he was here. <laughs> like, no. Or, or, no. <laughs> okay, they were they were all right, so they were trying to get rid of him at LSU and um someone was leaking like a fake story that like some of his floozies were like in a practice like joining in on some drills with the team. Yeah. <laughs> so someone was like making that up, but there was like a LSU player on Twitter had to say like no, this never happened. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, though. At least from an entertainment perspective. But you know, honestly, LS like LSU. If you look at the 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 whole COVID thing, like it is it the two programs that hurt by far the most were Cal and LSU. I mean, LSU lost. They were they had tons of guys who opted out. Like they lost coaches. It just totally disrupted them. And I mean, Cal, these, you know, last year they had a team that could compete. And uh, this year, Cal actually, the last couple, they started playing really well. They played, uh, or they almost beat Oregon at Oregon. And then I think they beat Colorado pretty easily. They beat Oregon State, I think, by 10 or 14. You know, and then these, like, uh, restrictions from the county there, they were playing with, like, half a team. It's a total joke. Can I point something quickly on your boy Luke Fickle? Yes. Forty-four and fourteen. He makes three point four mil. He's going to be highly, highly sought after. You are going to have to put yeah. one hell of a package. Yeah, together. we're not. We're not going to get him. I mean, at USC, there's a lot of jobs open. I, I don't think. I don't think we could get him, but obviously, you don't think he's... there's people clamoring at Ohio State for Fickle to replace Day. Even though they're coming around, why? Because Ryan Day lost one game. Yeah, I mean they they wanted him fired after the Oregon game. I I, I guarantee you, there's some Ohio State fans that want Fickle. I'm sure. Well, that's what would I mean? That's what would happen um, if we were somehow to get Fickle. He would leave and probably go to Ohio State when that opened up, which would be fine. I just don't think I don't think you know he's fifty and twenty one overall. I don't I don't think uh, there's any chance we could get him, but he obviously would be top of the list. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. He's 50 and 21. And by the way, Cincinnati has hired some damn good coaches in the last several decades. You got Brian Kelly. I mean, even though he yeah. killed a guy, he's a great coach. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> uh, Brian Kelly, uh, D'Antonio, Fickle. I think there's somebody else. Look, I think Fickle's at the top of the list, but I think it's an unrealistic. Yes, yes. Well, that's why I mentioned like uh, Mendenhall because I think it's. Yeah. I think he's like a re- realistic who you could get. I'll take Whittingham over Mendenhall. Sorry. What's your what's your problem with Mendenhall? I just feel like don't have a know, good feeling. I don't have a good feeling. I mean, you know, it feels like he's on the downslope of his career. But what do I know? I don't know shit. You might be right. He could be the perfect hire. Well, that's why you got to interview and feel him out. Yeah, but obviously right. you and I don't well, get to. I mean, th- these candidates they should have to do an interview with us. In addition to UW, they they should have to do an interview with you and me. He's thirty six and thirty. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, hey, we had Lake on the show. Look how that worked out for him. <laughs> Game head coach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Look, I mean, you he, he was thirty six and thirty five. He's three point four mil. Uh, his overall record as a head coach is one hundred and thirty five and seventy eight. But uh, he was at BYU for what? Like eleven years. Yeah, eleven years. He was DC and DB coach, and then he was head coach from '05 to '15. Virginia in 2016, his first year there, they were awful. Like they were struggling with D2 schools or FCS, whatever the fuck it's called. And yeah, I mean, I think you know, it's it's he hasn't. It hasn't been a total home run, but he's they've steadily turned around. And like I said, you got to interview these guys and figure it out. But look, you know, Saban, you know, he, he coached at a lot of places. And, you know, at Michigan State, there, a lot of people probably thought, yeah, he's, he's a good coach, but no one probably ever thought he was going to be the greatest coach. So I guess... Your boy, your boy Mendenhall, since 2005, has had 60 players been signed to the NFL. He had, uh, including Ezekiel Ansah, who was the number five pick in 13. And his program ranked seventh for most academic All-Americans during his tenure over a decade. So that would certainly please the uh, the upper, upper camp. Can- yeah, totally. No, he's big on academics. He, he, he would be a good fit. Yeah, I mean, he's defensive-minded. Um, you know, he was a coordinator with Kyle Whittingham. Um, so, you know, there's some Winningham tree there. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm warming up to Mendenhall. But yeah, you, yeah, you gotta do, you gotta do a little more research before you just shake all these things. I, for a future, yeah, future pod, you gotta come up with a list. All right. Last question. It is, it's about another coach. Uh, one guy was asking about Wilcox. I think, look, I really like Wilcox, but I think he's a fallback option. I think he's like a plan C guy at this point. Yeah, I think you have him pretty far down the list. Um, obviously, he's hamstrung at Cal. There's only so much you can do there. But I think, personally, I think Wilcox is probably going to have to go somewhere else, prove his worth, and then you know maybe he's an opportunity. 
uh, you know, hopefully we're not looking for a coach in three years. Yeah. But I think that's what's going to happen for him. Yeah, maybe he'd be a coordinator at a yeah, or top twenty-five to school, at a smaller school. Yeah, I mean it's yeah the the pandemic just it devastated Cal. Just real bad luck for him, but well, yeah, he's he, not going to leave Cal. Well, yeah, I mean if he gets a better offer, which he probably won't at this point, but yeah, he's like a Plan C guy for us. He's a fallback guy. Yeah, I don't I don't see that happening right now. That's yeah. I mean, there's guys that we might be able, you know, guys we can't get like uh, Fickle, <clears throat> guys we can get that are fallbacks like Wilcox, and then there's other guys in the middle. Maybe the Fresno State guy is also a fallback. Yeah, I definitely think that there's. I don't want the Coastal Carolina guy. I don't think he's he's had like one or one good season, but they haven't beaten anybody. They've just yeah. I don't know anything about that guy. Yeah, it's like it's not a regional fit, and just please stop with that. And let's have you know how about this? When it's confirmed, Jimmy's fired. We will do a coaching search pod. Pod. Yeah, we will. You know, we'll spend some. You know, we'll spend five or ten minutes researching before the podcast, and we'll do it. No, I'm kidding. I'll put in 20 minutes of time for pre-pod. So I guess, yeah, do we, I don't even, wow, this pod has run really long. I'm really hungry. I'm hangry at this point. Um, So let's wrap it up. Should we do a prediction for this week? I mean, we didn't, I haven't done any prep. I I mean, I, 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 we can, I, it, it sounds bad, Jess, but I'm, I'm indifferent on the outcome of the game. I, I pretty much want the season to end. Yeah. I'm really, I guess, you know, how they finish out the year and Jimmy's status. What what if they end up winning the last three of their games? You're going to, you're going to hang your hat on the incident. Hey, he got rid of his problem at OC and, uh, you know, he had the, the sideline incident, but he finished out the season with seven wins. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think so either. So I'm just, but look- they're probably going to lose the Cougs. Hey, hell, Oregon might lose this weekend to the Cougs. Yeah. You know, if the Cougs win out, they win the North. So go right. Cougs this week. Go Cougs. It'd be funny if the Cougs beat Oregon, then Oregon's going to be rooting for us to win the Apple Cup. Because <laughs> the Cougs have Arizona. They have Arizona. So if they beat Oregon, they're going to be, they have to beat us. to. to... That game's in Pullman too, is that right? No, it's in Oregon, unfortunately. Well, that makes it a bit tougher. But that quarterback at Wazoo is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but as far as our game, Arizona State, I think this is a bad matchup for us. Yeah, they run the ball really well and they have a good defense. So yeah, we probably lose. Yeah, I mean it's probably going to be. Uh, 
I mean, I know their offense has had a lot of problems. I don't know what's happening there. I mean, they did beat USC, who's also a dumpster fire. But I, th- I think it's going to be like another 27 to 10, uh, you know, 27, 13. I think it's going to be a game like that. That's just my guess after one minute of research. Bob Gregory is the head coach for, for, the, for the day. Well, you know, I I really hope they can fire Lake, like so he never coaches another game. But they're probably gonna, you know, he's probably gonna resign after the Apple Cup or you know mutual termination at that point. It's just how could you even let him coach again? It seems hard. It it, it seems like a lost cause. It's even worse than Tyrone coaching out the 2008 season after he was fired. Man, I don't know. That was pretty ruthless. How about Arizona getting a win? <laughs> like Washington's still the win, the winless Pac-12 team, still holding that record, chest. Yeah, great. Yeah, should we wrap it up? We I don't have enough energy to get yeah, angry about that right we're now. We're long-winded here. Yeah, okay. yeah, we got to wrap this thing up. It's carried on way too long. Yeah, I mean, crux of it all, it's a total mess. They've got to dig themselves out of it. They've got to make some big boy pants decisions. And, you know, face reality as it is. Don't, don't, uh, you know, don't deflect reality and, and get things moving quickly. I think that's another thing. Like, we can't let this stuff linger on. Like, they got to start making some bold, quick decisions. Uh, it's just, dragged on it's just gone on too long there's too much bad juju uh, around this program you, you got to start making swift moves yeah all right so i'm going to say uh, asu wins it uh 27 to 13 yeah I, you know what let's uh first time ever i'll go with that too 27 13 asu sun devils win the game Alrighty, on that note, uh, thanks everybody. Thanks, Jimmy, and uh, we'll hang her up with uh, Go Dogs. Go Dogs.